Well, the davening also some of them last year davening. Boy, boy, I mean, and they were explaining it, and what they were doing, they were reading. They had Gamora's like this, but it was Hebrew commentary. So that's what they were reading. They weren't reading the text of the Gamora. They were reading all that stuff. Okay. Good morning, gentlemen. Hope we're doing well. Okay, so we are uh, discussing uh, freedom for a servant. Uh, that was the, um, uh, the question was how to give the servant the money to get his freedom. It's a little complicated because you give him the money and then it goes to the master because he, he's not yet free. So that was the mechanics of, of, of how to do that. Uh, and really we got into whether these types of conditions work. Can you give him money on the condition that it not go to the master? It's almost like um, you know, giving, giving funds but putting conditions on them. And what happens if you put the condition after you already gave it? Some people do that. They send in the money and then, oh, oh by the way, don't use it for, the, well, you gave it to me already. You know? So the, the question was, is that too late? So now the Gemara says, Rami de Rav Meir ad Rav Meir, Rami de Rabbanan ad Rabbanan. Let's, let's ask a contradiction about these kind of conditions, whether they work or not, between these two opinions. Titania, as we learned, we're on 23b, headed to today's page, 24a. And you'll, we'll see in a second how we get back to this question. The, the rule is the following. Ein isha podamaiser sheni below chamish. We all know in, in, uh, in the Torah, in a few places, we don't take the fifth, we pay the fifth. You add the fifth. One of those cases are, uh, there is something called Meiser Sheni, uh, which Meiser Sheni is uh, produce uh, that you have to tithe. And the tithe, instead of um, uh, going to a Kohen or a Levi uh, or a poor person, you yourself have to take it and eat it in a holy place. You do the avoda, so to speak. You become Hashem's Kohen, you eat from Hashem's table, you take this produce up to Yerushalayim and you eat it there. Now, practically speaking, you're not always ready in the middle of the harvest to take, pack up everything and go up and eat it in Yerushalayim, and you'll probably be going up for the holidays. So what many people would do was they would sell the produce uh, and put the holiness of the produce on the money. And the Torah allows for that. That's called redeeming. Um, that's being poda, the miser. Well, that's putting the kedusha of the miser sheni on money. Uh, and then you take the money when you're ready up to Yerushalayim and you limited to what you can use it for. You have to buy food in Yerushalayim uh, with the Meiser Sheni money, and you have to go to the mikveh and eat it in holiness, and that's the basic Meiser Sheni. Now, when you um, do this process uh, that uh, you want to redeem the Meiser Sheni money, uh, you take the money and then you buy food, so you have to add a fifth. You have to add, uh, add some money to it. It's, it's not an even exchange, the Torah requires the owner to add a fifth. If you're not the owner, um, then you don't have to add uh, the fifth. So the question is, does the wife have to add the fifth or not? So uh, the wife is not the owner, her husband owns it. So it says, Ein isha poda below The woman is the same as her husband, and her money is his money, and so if she's uh, taking this... Uh, money up to Shalim and she wants to redeem the money on the food, 
she's going to have to add a fifth. Rav Shem ben Lazar, he says, no, Isha poda meiser sheni below chamesh. She doesn't need to add the fifth. That's her husband who has to add the fifth. He's the original person. She's uh, somebody besides her husband. So, hey, what's the case? If it's his money, and and it's his meiser. So, she's uh, totally acting with his money and his meiser. So, clearly, she's acting on his behalf. And, of course, she would have to add the fifth because he and she are the same in this case. Ella, that can't be the case that we're talking about the wife. It must be a little bit different. Ella Dida, it's her own money. Umaiser Dida, and it's his produce. And she's doing him a favor, and she's redeeming his meiser. So the halacha is, Isha Omarachmana Velo Isha. That uh, the... Um, <clears throat> she has to give her money to a man to be able to redeem it? No, she, does, she didn't have to. She's just deciding on her own to do her husband a favor and, and redeeming his miser onto her money, right? So um, the, um, the, that we're saying over here, clearly it's only when the man redeems it that he has to add the fifth. So why is this woman adding the fifth? That's really the question. Why is she... Um, She's taking $100 of produce and putting it on $125 of cash. And you only have to do that if it's your own money. If, the, if you're doing it for your own convenience, the Torah says you've got to add the fifth. But why would, you have, why would she have to do that? Even if it's her money, uh, it's, the Torah would exempt her. So Elalav, it must be that... Uh, so again, we're trying to come up with a reason why. Normally a woman's uh, using the same expense account as the man. And, and it's, her account is his account. Of course you add the fifth. And even if this was her separate money, um, the Torah then says that you don't have to add the fifth. So where is the case where we need to tell you that uh, they, there's a debate about whether she adds the fifth or not? So Lumora says, Ella, which means, forget about what we thought until now. We were trying to come up with, a, we had two scenarios until now. Either it was his money or it was her money. Neither of those cases works. So Ella means, let's try a more complicated case. Kigon, Kihai Gavna, our case. Somebody else wants to help out this couple. They, uh, they, uh, they, they can't afford to take it up to Yushalayim right now, and they want to redeem it, but they don't have enough money to uh, pay the added cost of transferring it and adding the fifth. So somebody else says, you know what, I'll help you guys out, and he sends them the money uh, to her. And he gives her the money on the condition that... It's not going to your husband because he'll have to add the fifth. But I'm going to give it to you to redeem it uh, being somebody different than your husband. This is a tax loophole, right? You want her to do it. And, you know, sometimes you have something you try to figure out. You put in your wife's name. Do you put in your name? How does it work better, right? So that's what you're trying to figure out over here. So somebody gives her the money. Uh, you give them the money in a way that it's not going to fall to him. who's going to be in a higher tax bracket, but you put it in her tax bracket. So she won't have to add this 24... I hate to call the, the, the added fifth of tax because then it's like something disgusting that you hate to do. This is a mitzvah, right? You know, it's a, but even a mitzvah, you've got to afford it, right? So, uh, so we put it in... Um, uh, the, the question is, if you can give her the money and put it in her name and it doesn't automatically become his. 
but there's only one problem. So basically, it's exactly the same as uh, the case that we had that um, uh, the, um, uh, the, you're trying to redeem the servant and give him money to buy his freedom. Can you give him the money but not let it go to the master? So uh, the question was, can you give the servant the money? You know, the, the other scenario was you give it to an attorney and he takes care of it. But can you g- find a way to give the servant the money that he can buy his own freedom and put the condition on it that it doesn't become the servant's? And, and that, in effect, is what we want to do here. You want to give the wife the money, and we want it to not be in his name, but in her name. But automatically, when the wife gets it, it goes into his name. So our real question is the same question. Can you give this person the money and put a condition on it that it stay in the better tax bracket in this case? It stay in her name and not in his? Or can you give the servant the money that it stay in the servant's name and not go to the master? So everything is fine. It's, it's a debate whether you can make these kind of conditions and give money to someone who actually represents someone else, right? So, but the only problem is the rabbis over here switch. <laughs> the same rabbi that said that you could do it by the servant says you can't do it by the wife. And the rabbi that said that you couldn't do it by the servant says you could do it by the wife. That makes no sense. Either you say that you can give somebody money that represents someone else, but put a condition on it to keep it from transferring to that other person, or you can't. You know, it's almost like, uh, um, so uh, th- that's the problem. So how, the, this is a contradiction in Rav Meir and the Rabbanim. Let's, uh, let's see, Rashi. Uh, the... Um, Rashi amenashe tiftabo on the condition uh, that you redeem it. So uh, let's it's right towards the middle. Shetake keish acher that this person, the wife, should be like somebody else and not have to add on the fifth. Rabbanan sabriki omerle koni. When you say to the woman here, here's your, you know, I see you're having a hard time. You can't, aff- you don't have the extra money to redeem your meister shady. So you say, here, I'll give you the money, but it instantly goes to the husband. And then you say, well, I want to save you to pay the 25% tax bracket that he has to add. That doesn't work. Therefore, this money becomes the husband, and she's working for him. And he has to add the fifth. Rameir says, no, Lididay Gufalo Aknile. You didn't only gave it to the woman, that she not have to add the fifth. That's the, the question, is there a way around? Is there a fix? I know somebody had signed up for the uh, Beth Jacob trip to Israel, but he was born in Israel, and um, so he has an Israeli passport, and they decided to add on the Israeli tax because Israelis have a certain... <laughs> and so he doesn't understand. Everybody else is going for the shul. They only have to pay this much to go on the... Uh, and he's got to... So he's got to figure out a way to get it in someone else's name or something, you know, like the... Uh, so the so, but basically, we have a contradiction over here. Um, can you give the money to the woman but not give it to the husband. And if you can find a way to give it to her, she won't have to pay the 25% tax. And can you give the money to the slave and not give it to his master, and then the slave will be able to buy his freedom? That's the question. And so it's exactly the same argument, but the, the, the opinions are crisscrossed. So what are we going to do? 
So Omar Abai, Abai says, no problem, Apek. You're right. You switched up. You just just uh, retransfer the rabbi's names. You got them mixed up in the, one of the cases. Just switch them. Uh, that happens sometimes. You you mix them up. It happens. You know. You mix this one up with that one. You know. Senior moment. Whatever. Apek. You know. Switch them around. Now we'd rather not do that. We hate to like scratch off this name and put this rabbi and scratch off that rabbi. You mixed up both what this one said, but we have no choice. It doesn't make sense. That's answer number one. Switch. Rava says laolam no tapek. I can rescue you from having to say you totally goofed and you mixed up which rabbi said what. So then why would in this case, the same rabbi that said you can give, put a condition on it when you give it to the servant, why can't you put a condition on it when you give it to the wife? No, our case is a little bit different than you thought. Our case is that the woman inherited this money from her father. She inherited the miser from her father and it's actually her uh, miser. It's not, um, it's not his. We thought it was his fruits, and she didn't have the money to redeem his fruits. No, over here we're talking about these fruits came from her family. And Rameir holds Omar Miser Mamon Hegdeshi. So the question here is the, um, uh, this. Um, she actually inherited the money to redeem, the money that had the Kedushas Meiser on it, and the question was to, to redeem it. Now, in this case, it won't go to the husband because it didn't go to the wife, meaning that when you inherit Meiser money, so it's kind of yours, but it's kind of not. It's holy. Uh, it's yours to pretend you're the Kohen and go up to Yerushalayim and eat it. I shouldn't say pretend you're the Kohen, but basically the Torah wants you to be uh, take on the role of of uh, of a kohen, uh, you know, when you have meiser sheni and go up to Yerushalayim and eat it there in holiness. But in this case, uh, this money doesn't go to the husband because it already belongs to Hashem. And so, since it belongs to Hashem, that's why it's not in the husband's, and that's why um, you don't have to add the fifth. And the rabbanon who say no, it does go to you. They hold its mom and head you. And the husband gets it. of it. So again, the question here is a little bit different. The question here is she's inheriting um, this Meiser Sheni from her parents. And the question is, does the, this inheritance go to the husband? So one view is, since it's holy, it belongs to Hashem. It doesn't go to anybody. And therefore, she's not, uh, therefore it's, it's not, um, uh, he wouldn't have to add the fifth. Whereas the other view is, no, it does go to the husband. He does inherit it like he, uh, since he's his wife. And so uh, that's the story here. Let's see, Rashi. The Asimi Nasi, the money comes from her parents. Shemes Avia, her father dies. Baha'i'lo Meister Sheni. And he had Meister Sheni fruits. And she inherits the Meister Sheni together with other property from her parents. V'yirusha Bolala Achamikan. An inheritance that comes after uh, she's married, they are her property. And normally what you do is she buys land and the husband's allowed to eat the fruits of the land, but he doesn't own it. So uh, so let's just do the next Rashi. The miser belongs to God. When you eat miser, it's not really yours. You're eating it from God's table. So therefore, Hilchak Enu Kesharnachasim Lenikne Bal. Normally, what she gets, he gets. But this, 
she, is, uh, she doesn't get it. It belongs to Hashem. So it doesn't go to the husband betachnosa the tikkun rabban and peiris lebal. Usually, the husband, if she gets fruits, he gets fruits. Here, he don't get it because it belongs to Hashem. And then she uses her husband's money to redeem it. It's not his meiser. The money is his, and the meiser was hers. Was, uh, and so therefore, she doesn't have to add the fifth. So, according to one opinion. According to the other opinion, no, it does work that way. So it has nothing to do with this condition of giving it to a person. And then, so therefore, that answers the contradiction. It's a little very creative answer. <laughs> so, in other words, we thought that this was the exact kind of case where she was given money with the condition that it not be the husband. No, no, that wasn't the case. Not the case at all. She inherited money, and the, because it was Meiser Shaney, was that called that she got it? Because if she's getting it, he's getting it. And we're saying that since she didn't really get it, it belongs to Hashem, so he's not going to get it. And so therefore, when she uses his money, it's his money and her Meiser, so she doesn't got to add the fifth. It's a totally different issue there than we thought. Okay, fine. We can solve that contradiction as we move on. So then we said uh, the servant also can go out, besides with freedom papers, he can go out with a good injury. So, if he loses a tooth or an eye. So, and uh, we learned in addition to that, if he loses the head of his limbs that won't grow back. You know, if he loses something that'll grow back, nishkeferluch. I don't know which things grow back. Uh, a wound, a wound grows back, but uh, something that ain't coming back, a permanent injury, he goes free. So bishlei mishen va'ayin. I understand that a servant goes out if he loses an eye or a tooth. Ksivi, it's a pasuk. El roshe vorim belims menolin. Where'd you get that from? Where did that brisa uh, figure out you can add all kinds of other injuries? The answer is dumi mishen va'ayin. Well, let's. Learn out from the eye and the tooth. My shein va'ayin mumim shebegoli. The shein va'ayin are blemishes that you could see. They're not internal blemishes. You know, I got a, a person has uh, something inside him. So these are things that you can, something that's clear from the ass. Otherwise, any servant can claim, you know, that he, you know, got punched or he got something that you can't see. These are things you could see. They ain't a chosen and they're not going to get healed. He's uh, not going to grow a new eye. So any other blemish, as long as it's something visible, and as long as it ain't coming back, it ain't healing, they go free. So Lemurah says, So that we basically, the Torah is giving us examples. When the Torah said an eye or a tooth, it's an example. And so we learn out any other, uh, any other limb as well. Lemurah says, how do you know to learn out any other limb? Why don't we snay? The Torah says two. If the Torah only said one injury, you lose a limb. So we'd say any limb. But now that it says two, maybe it's only these two. And we have a famous rule when you say only these two, you can't learn out. So the Morris said no. Sricha. These are, it's not, wasn't extra to write both. If the Torah only wrote tooth, Havamina, I would have said, even a milk tooth. It's a great word. A milk tooth means a baby tooth. I don't know why we call it a baby tooth. Uh, let's see. Rashi Shane to call Shane Shionikbo. It's the tooth that he has when he's still nursing. The Asilachlifa that he's going to lose those teeth. Keep going to Evid Cotton. Like a like a. So, if you have a baby servant, of course he's going to lose his tooth. 
So every baby's, you know, the tooth fairy is, okay, I'm free. <laughs> no, his baby tooth fell out. Because the Torah says a slave goes out with a tooth. So I would have thought even if a baby, adults have baby teeth also, some do. I, I think, I think they, some of them get them until they lose them. I, I don't know what age they, uh, but occasionally an adult keeps it for, we don't have any dentists in our shear. Okay, we got to get one to find out of the, but don't, don't we all call them baby teeth? That's what they, but yeah, the yeah, Hebrew yeah. word is a milk tooth. Or the, so, but at any rate, so therefore the Torah wrote an eye, that it's got to be uh, something that's, uh, uh, that's not going to, uh, not, not a... You don't have a baby eye. Yeah, that's right. Because the Ramana eye, if the Torah wrote, ayin havamina ma'ayin shenivr imo. It's something that was created with him. He was born with it. Af kol shenivr imo. Also, something he's born with. Avoshain. But I would have thought a tooth, he, listen, he was born without it, he can uh, die with it. I mean, not, not every tooth does a person keep with him his whole life. So maybe that's not enough of an injury that he would go free. So the Torah had to write it. So, Sricha. So, therefore, uh, these are just examples that the Torah gives. The Gemara says, Ve'ema. So, uh, again, now we're going to ask on this drasha. So, again, we learned that another way for a servant to go out is with a major injury to a limb, like an eye or a tooth. The question is, are these examples and we can learn from them? Or are these specific cases and not other limbs? But we said that these were examples. So now we have to defend that drasha, that these are examples. The Ema, the Gemara says, why don't we look at it with the famous rule of Kalal Prat? Ema that's a general thing. You, you whack your servant anyway. Shein v'ayin, that's very specific. Kalal Prat, whatever the Torah does, the general gets us to Ema Kalal Prat. The Torah means to be specific. Shein v'ayin in, midi alo. How do we know to extrapolate to all other limbs? So the Gemara says, because there's another few words, l'chashi yishachenu. It says, send him out. That klau, uh, that's a klau, that's another klau. Klau prat, klau, general, specific general. Yata dona prat. So it's telling you that you, there are more injuries that he'll go out as long as those injuries are similar to the ones the Torah mentions. What's the similarity? My prat meforish mum shebegoli. That these blemishes have to be ones that you can see. And they ain't growing back. Any other injury that's visible, uh, he will go free. So we've explained how we got to Drasha. The Gemara says, wait a second. These are injuries that you can see and he can't go to work. Uh, it has to be something that he can't, is an injury that he can't work. Uh, he loses an eye, he's, he's, he, can't, can't, he can't see, he can't, uh, uh, he, apparently even he loses a tooth, he needs time to recover. But uh, what about if he has an injury that he could uh, go to work with? Alama Tanya, why did we learn? Tolish Bezikno, the master pulls his beard, and he pulls out the bone. <clears throat> Sounds painful. You know, you pull the servant by his beard, you know, they, they didn't, his and he dislocated his jaw. So uh, we learned over there, Eved Yotzim Lecheres. He goes out free. So uh, how would we know he goes out free with that kind of injury, a dislocation? It's, he's still got the jawbone. It's just... So uh, the article adds something here. Yeah. He uh, yanked the slave's beard and thereby dislocated a bone in the jaw that withers and falls off and does not regenerate. Oh. So it's like assuming that something... And the jawbone comes out 
I see. Uh-huh. Yeah, I look at it. It's Rashi. Uh, I, does the jaw fall off? I, 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 I don't know what that means. <laughs> it's a broken jaw, okay. Um, let's see the Rashi, though. Yotzebo l'cheres. Thank you. That, I mean, that makes it even more, uh, we can hear more of a reason that he goes out because right. it's a very permanent, he ain't getting his jaw back. I mean, we said already that's a rule. It's got to be something permanent. So it's got to be more than just pulled out of its socket. It's got to be something that's... Uh, but let's see the Rashi. But apparently he can still work with this broken jaw. It's a bone that ain't going so fully yavish. It's going to dry out for lipo and fall away. That's what you were quoting the yard. Uh, even though he could still go to work. You don't work with your jaw. It's like any of the other limbs. So uh, uh, why did this one get included if you could still work with it? Didn't we say that it should be like this, the other cases? So the Gemara answers, there's a riboy that tells us even other injuries, even if he can work. Even if he can work, uh, if it's a non-life-threatening injury that he could even still work through, he still goes free. The Gemara says, well, if you want to say that, you have this riboy in the Pusik that we liberally interpret uh, injuries to let him go. Even if you whack his hand, visamsa, and it, uh, it uh, sprains it, and it gets healed, you should let him go. Alama Tanya, why did we learn you whack his hand, visamsa, and it uh, gets injured, as long as it goes back. So the Gemara answered, but on the other hand, we do have an eye and a tooth that don't grow back. So basically, we, the, we see from the way the psukim read that there's more than one kind of injury, the, the, the eye and the tooth that go out. But on the other hand, from the fact that it gave us those examples, it definitely meant to limit it somewhat. So our question was, well, why don't we include the non-work-threatening injury? Well, because we have a reboy. But we do include the injury that totally, you know, a swollen hand, uh, that... That's not going to get him out of slavery. His hand is swollen. Did, what does he? What does the article say? Swollen or sprained or? I question exactly what. It, I don't know what happened to his hand that's coming back exactly. Or, but it's a it's a very temporary kind of thing. Yes. You want to hear something interesting? That the Evan Kanani, the reason why they say he goes out with a tooth and an eye, who was who was cursed to be a Evan Kanani? You know the sons of Noah. Uh huh. So. He saw his father's nakedness, then he told his brother. So the eye and the tooth were the first things involved in that sin over there. Oh, very good. Okay. That's good. That's, who says that? Uh, you, uh, you saw that? You... Yeah, I saw that. Uh, uh, I don't remember right now. Oh, but okay. That's a good shot. Okay. Moving on. Tana Rabbana. Rabbis learned. Bakulam Evidyotsim Lecheris. Uh, on, on all these, uh, once we agree on whatever the injuries are, he'll go free, but he still needs his papers. What does he need the papers for? Rashi, if he wants to marry a Jewish woman, let's see that. Rashi, um, I know I saw that somewhere. To permit him to, if he wants to get married, he needs his injury certificate. <laughs> he, has to, he has to get his freedom papers from his master. Ramirez says, he doesn't need those. He's injured. That's it. He's automatically freed. So, Reb Lazar says, he doesn't need those. Reb Tarfin says, he doesn't need it. Reb Kiva says, he does need it. This is one of those base medish arguments that uh, everybody's on all sides, right? 
So uh, how do we resolve those arguments where you've got, you know, big opinions on all sides? It seems like there are many things like that. You ask, you know, two people, you get three opinions. There were people who tried to resolve this issue. They said, let's agree with Tarfin that uh, you don't need your papers. If it's the injuries mentioned in the Torah, the eye or the tooth, so that you, if somebody wants to know, how do you know he's free? You, you pull out a chumash. Shatora zikselo. Then we follow that opinion that he goes free without papers because the Torah says he goes free. V'divir Rebbe Kiva and Rebbe Kiva who said he must have his papers b'share vorim. That must be if he has another injury in another limb. V'ohil kanascha chamehu because that's like a penalty that the sages gave. It's very interesting it uses it's like a union rule. You know, you injured this worker, you got to let him go now. you got to give him good terms. You know, it wasn't a safe work environment. Why are we referring to Rabbi Tarpon or Rabbi Kiva and not Rabbi Meir or Rabbi Eliezer? I don't know. That's a good question. I don't know. The, um, maybe they were the big... Yeah, I don't know. As, you know. as we should have quoted all the ones on both sides. Why those two? Or even, yeah. let's go with the opinion that says... Right, right. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good point. I don't know. The, um, okay. Does Rashi address that? Um, I'm sure there's a good reason, but I don't You're know what it is. Two who gave opinions, so maybe they're just going the last ones that were mentioned. Yeah, could be, could be, good point. So, at any rate, so uh, the more though has a question on the terminology. We're calling this a penalty. It's not a penalty. Hakrakadarshin. We interpreted the verse. We interpreted the Torah to say that they go free. That wasn't just the rabbis added to the list. We interpreted. That's what the Torah meant. Ellie, you're right. So let's use the words Hoyul Medrish Chachamimu because it's a drusha of the Chachamim. So my time with Rishimin. So what's the reason of Rishimin? He learns out, send away, just like he uses the same word. You send away a servant and you get divorced from the wife. My Isha Bishtar, just like with the wife. You don't you send her away with her papers. She must have her get. A servant also, when you send him away, it doesn't mean you send him away without giving him a, uh, freedom papers. You have to give him the papers. For a mayor, why does he say you don't need to give them? If it had written, he goes free at the end, I would agree with you. But first it says he, he's free, sent away. That implies that he's free now, you just got to let him go. So and so you don't need the papers. So it's an interesting debate. He definitely can't force him to work, but does he need the formal discharge papers to be free or not? That's two opinions. Tanraban. Tanraban and Hikiu know what happens if uh, you hit him on the place of the eye, Visimu, and he goes blind. Al Ozno, you hit him on the ear, Vacharsho, and he goes deaf. Ebed Yotzim Lecheres. He goes free. That's the, uh, the same thing. Neged Eino. What about if you didn't hit the eye? You hit next to the eye. But now he can't see. Neged Ozno. Next to the ear of Eino Shemea. So the first opinion says, Eino Ebed Yotzim Lecheres. He doesn't go free. This is like an injury rather than losing the limb. Even though the limb doesn't work, it's like an indirect injury. Um, the, the limb doesn't work permanently? Or is it yeah, apparently it doesn't work. He loses... So uh, so he didn't hit the eye, he hit next to the eye, but the eye went out. Right, that's right. Mm-hmm. So, um, Do you mean to say that uh, this is like you damaged him with the sound? Like you, um, 
uh, the, it was the noise of the, uh, the, the injury that did it. And we're saying that basically, since you didn't hit it directly, it's not a problem. That's really our question. Do you mean to say that an indirect injury is not considered an injury? Let's see, Rashi, about the, that injury with the eye. Keneged eno near his eye. Shehika bakoso. What happened was you hit the wall, the hibis bakol, and he got afraid uh, because of the noise, the enu roya ocean, and then that happened. So it's really very indirect. The noise was so loud, he, something happened. Something popped. Um, these things happen. Uh, we don't really know why some, I, I don't know if it's called like shock or something, or there's certain, certain types of. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, the um, the nerves that that sense the vibration, and if the vibration is too violent, they they're actually um, they're injured and they die. Wow, the nerves die. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a common thing up in up in the Arctic. Eskimos fish by cutting a hole in the ice, and then they take a rifle and they shoot into the water. But the sound of the, the sudden sound without any warning of the rifle going off and echoing off of the hard ice um, deafens them. Wow, thank you. <laughs> no, 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 noises do that. They, they, wow. they, you become permanently deaf. I mean, I have, I have a permanent high-frequency hearing loss because I've mm-hmm. you know, been exposed to some loud noises. Right. Some people, they claim that the, the, uh, you go to too many hasanas that you could get that because the vans are much too loud. <laughs> that's the, uh, that's the, uh, in all the front publications, you hear the people complaining that they, they, the young people, they, they're music, the bands, they do that you know, on purpose. They, they, they feel that it has to be very, very loud. We're, not, we're used to it already for the most part, but they claim it causes uh, uh, hearing loss. Okay, at any rate, very good. Thank you. So, that ex- so our question, though, is, it's definitely causing the blindness or the loss of hearing, but we seem to say there's two opinions. So why does one opinion say that the damage because of the sound is not a problem? Didn't we learn, I have this chicken, and my chicken stuck his head into your vase, and it did cock-a-doodle-doo, but tuck a bow, and it broke with the sound waves. Mishalem Nezek Shalom, it's got to pay the full damages. Sus, if a horse should sniff, the horse did the horse noise. What do you call the horse noise? Nay, <laughs> right, okay. Vachamur, or the donkey braid. Vishivru Kalim, Basoka Bayes Mishalem Chatzin Nezek. So we see that, that sound damage is regular damage. So why are we saying over here that if the slave got injured because of the noise, it's not regular damage? Since he's an, uh, uh, an independent person, he did it to himself. And so in other words, he, why is it that one person is injured and another didn't? So even though it doesn't mean he wanted to do it, but it's because his reactions also helped make that injury what it is, you can't blame it totally on the master. If you scare somebody and you cause them to, uh, in, in the old days, as kids, that was like the thing to do, was like you scare somebody, you wait around the corner and you jump and you make him drop the eggs or whatever it is that he has, right? So, the courts can't make him liable. In the heavens, we know, Kate said, you make a noise in his ear, and he goes deaf, Potter. Aksu, if you held him, the talk of Osno, and then you blew in his ear, then you're direct, the Koshu 
So uh, basically, we're, that we've explained that that case. We agree that other injuries would go out. The only question is if they're sound injuries that the person contributes to the effect of the injury, whether or not the slave would go out. Let's say you hit him on the eye because then it goes dim. And you hit him on the tooth and it goes loose. So these are not full injuries. So if the servant can still use them a little bit, he still can see somewhat. He doesn't go free. The imla, but if they're totally not usable, that's one opinion. Tanya we learned in another place, let's say his eye was weak, and then you knocked it out, or it was a loose tooth, and then the loose tooth fell out. If he was able to use them, he, even though the eyes were weak, it still worked a little bit, he had some eyesight, and even though the tooth was loose, he still could use it. So if it was usable, and then you knocked it out, the master, then he goes free. But if they already were not usable at all, he doesn't go out. Visrika need both examples. This is the first case. He first he had good eyesight, and now his eyesight is much weaker. But here, where he started off with bad eyes, maybe that's not called the full damage. He not, he was half blind anyways. And if you took the tooth. Because you knock out the whole tooth. But if you don't knock out the whole thing, the eye's still there. Maybe not. So, Srika, you need those examples. What about if the slave works for a doctor? And you tell the slave master, you say, My eyes hurt me. Do me a favor. Give me some eye medicine. And the master trying to heal him. Knocks out the eye. Lakter Loshina, do me a favor, fix my tooth. Vehipilo, and he knocks out the, the tooth. So this is not a case of negligence. This is not a case of a cruel master. The master was doing a medical procedure. And uh, the you know, these things happen. So guess what? Sikuk Ba'adan, the the slave can have a good laugh at his master, the Yotzilacheris. Ha, 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 I'm out of here. <laughs> you know, he went to, he got that master, you know. Oh, I need help with his tooth. You know, that's the, uh, it's funny terminology over here. Rishin Gamliel says, Vishoksa. No. It says that he has to destroy the servant. It's only if he was trying to harm the servant. Not if he was trying to help him. Rabban and Hai Vishoksai, what do they do with that Pasik? Let's say the person has a maidservant and she's going into labor and he's a baby doctor and he sticks his hand in to pull the baby out. And the baby's born blind. So um, does the baby go free because he was blinded? Putter, my time. It's only when he intends to do it. So, and how does the other person know that, Russia? Because it could have said, Meshikas, Shikas uh, Shachsa Ah, then why doesn't he learn now? He doesn't darish that. Okay, one more case. Um, let's say the eye was already blind, but then he poked it out. So, he goes out. My time Because, is, I mean, even though the eye was, couldn't see, Still, poking it out causes the limb to be lost. And I could bring a proof to that. Tom of his behema. 
There's a halacha when you bring a korban, the animal has to be tam, it has to be tamima, it has to be perfect, and it has to be male. Most of them are, it has, certain korbanos are, are male. The ain't tam is that, but you don't have to, when you bring bird offerings, you don't have to check it for blemishes, and it's not a problem of um, uh, uh, if it's uh, female. You don't really check that in birds. So, yochol yavshagapa, what about if its wing dries out, or it's missing feet, or it's missing its, I guess, its eyes, if you can be selective. So, um, uh, the... Um, but you can be selective? Yeah. Not every bird. Not every bird, but not every blemish. Either. Apparently, a blemish is okay, but not missing a wing or not missing the whole, the whole shebang. Okay, let's stop here. Have a great day, everybody. Be well. Uh, Rabbi Stein.